himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered together, gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went abroad and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I'm going to start with a little bit of a reflection here, but just know that you don't hurt my feelings if you need more coffee or food or anything like that. Thanks a lot, Chris. Um... (laughs) But I want to get started by just saying a word about uh, photography. It's it's an art form that I I love, and there's different genres of photography. And I would say that uh, one there's a genre of of, of photography called uh, it's it's food photography, and one of the greatest food photographers. Actually, it happened, turns out uh, nationally lives here in Rochester, and it turns out she also lives in my house. It's my daughter, Annika. She is a, a fine, fine food photographer, and she's going to share some of her artwork with you today. So let's take a look, Ani. First of all, welcome, Annika. And let's, uh, let's take a look at some of your work, shall we? Okay. Okay. All right, good. Mm. You hear that? You hear that? Tell us about this, uh, this work of art that you, you had here. This is when my family, my mom and my sister. What? I, I was not included in that one. No, you don't like fish. <laughs> so we went out to sushi, and Mia got to try some... Sushi with fish in it, so, yeah. So you had sushi on purpose. Yeah, yeah. It looks pretty, even though it used to swim around and your dad's a landitarian and would never touch the stuff. Okay, great. That's beautiful. Uh, And what is happening here? This is when, in the summer, we all had a family dinner with 
My grandma. Yeah, just a good memory of, of going out for, for dinner with grandma. And then <laughs> this is a strange entree. What's, what's really going on here? It was at a Thai restaurant when we first got to London. So it was like our first meal in London. Your first meal overseas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what is that life size? I mean, what's. Yeah, it's huge. We got it at a Mexican restaurant in Glacier. We were at Glacier National Park. And, and so that was like half of a sewer cap. And, and then I, I was kind of wanting you to. You did take a picture of mine, but you never did because you were mean. But uh, <laughs> my burrito looked like it was, it was like a swaddled infant. It was, it was giant, it was the biggest thing I've ever seen, and, and a sewer cap. And yeah, that was a, that was a meal for sure. Right, we'll get, get to this one in a little bit, but I'm curious, Ani, why? Why do you take the food pics? I like... I take the food pics because I like how it looks. I think it looks really pretty, and I want to remember it. Yeah, yeah. There's a presentation that goes goes with it. How how do you share? Do I mean do you share these things other than in worship on a Sunday morning? (laughs) Normally I don't, but occasionally I'll like share it on my Snapchat story. Okay. Mostly in my camera roll. How many of those meals did you pay for? None. You're kind of paying for them right now. I just, you know, um, yeah. So, is there a memorable one that you would say? I think this one was really memorable. What's going on here? It was high tea in London, and that was like the thing that I wanted to do in London. So yeah, and it was really fancy. Yeah, it was really fancy. We're not fancy people, are we? We had no idea how to eat that or drink that tea. We're like, remember they had a pitcher on the table and they're like, we're like, what do we do with this? And the guy goes. (laughs) Duly noted, duly noted. But yeah, no, it was all kinds of of pictures, all kinds of things. Thanks for sharing your work, Ani. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, these, these, these food picks are, are interesting to me because uh, they, they're trying to capture something that's kind of mysterious and, and kind of fleeting in a sense, right? Trying to capture that, that, that food that's on the plate and, and, and be able to talk about it later. It's, to me, it's kind of like trying to get a good picture of a sunset. If you've ever been out for a walk and you see this beautiful sunset and you pull out your camera, you take a picture and you're really excited about it and then you get home and it's like, eh. It's kind of good. I mean, I guess you had to be there, but it was a beautiful sunset at the time, but it, 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 even the most beautiful sunset picture I've ever taken is missing something, right? It's, 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 it's lacking something because you have to kind of be there. You're trying to capture almost lightning in a bottle when you see, when you see that. And I think that's, for me, part of what food pictures are about because you're sitting there and, and those pictures are also, and, and, and think about the memorable stories that you shared. It, it's about the food, sure, but it's also about the people that you're sitting with and maybe the place that you are. Maybe you're trying out a new restaurant for the first time. Ani was talking about how she was in London. First time she'd ever eaten anywhere overseas, right? And there, there she was in 
in London, or maybe, so it could be about the restaurant, it could be about the place, it could be about the people that you're sitting with, it could be about the conversation that was had there, it could be about the event, Ross talking about, about, about being there for the baptism of a, of a grandchild, it could be about, uh, the, 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 there's the food itself, of course, it's beautiful, and look at the colors and, and the display of, of the food that, you know, that's just scratching the surface of what's on Annika's phone, <laughs> but, but also of, of your experience of meals as well. There's the food, and there's the color, and the presentation, and the texture, and the taste, and, the, and, and all of that, along with all of these other factors, go together until you have this, this food pick, and then now you have the picture, and it's really there as a placeholder. It's a placeholder. That was a good thing. That was a good memory. That was a good day. And, and then you have a story to tell that corresponds to it. And I, and I really kind of feel like the Bible story that we heard read earlier, I could just imagine those disciples, those followers of Jesus, if they would have only had a camera to take a food pick, right? I mean, that, that would have been... That would have been, they would have had this thing, but they didn't, obviously, so they wrote it down, and that's kind of the next best thing. But even what they wrote down is lacking because there's, it's, again, it's kind of like the food pictures. It, 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 you had to kind of be there and experience it. But the way that I understand the scriptures working for us is that it tells us more and more about what it is to be human. So if we can just kind of place ourselves in the story, I think we begin to understand it, and it comes alive for us, kind of like we were there at that meal that we have a picture of. So the context with this story is that it happens after Jesus had been crucified. He had been brutally executed publicly on a Roman execution stake, and his friends, his followers, the whole city of Jerusalem was kind of sitting there and and, and witnessing this thing. A couple days later, they're still in Jerusalem. They're in this upper room, and they're sitting there, and they have this experience of the risen Christ, that Christ joined them at this, at this table, at this, at this meal. And they didn't uh, kind of know what to make of that. But then you, all of, the, all of that, those stories, are all in the rearview mirror now. They happened in the past. The disciples had since moved on. They'd gone home. They weren't in Jerusalem anymore. They went to Galilee. Jerusalem's in the south. Galilee's in the north. They, they were in the North Lake country. And they were there at the lake, and they were sitting there, and, and they decided they were going to go fishing because they were fishermen. Fishermen going to fish. Players going to play, haters going to hate, and that's how they shake it off. <laughs> Thank you for those of you who laughed, for the rest of you. We're just going to let that go. But that's how they're going to do. But it was because there's the thing, right? The, the, the big event, the thing. And then there's the day after the thing. There's the big event that you've been planning for. It's a, it's, it's a wedding. It's a graduation. It might be a celebration. It could be a baptism. It could also be a funeral. It could be, it could be a, a, a big game. It could be a, a big day at work, a milestone of some sort. There's the thing that you've been working towards, and then there's the day after the thing. You work towards this, but eventually you have to wake up the next day and make sandwiches. Right? It's a vacuum. Laundry's got to get done. Kids need to be fed. The work needs to happen. There's a spreadsheet to be made. There's the thing, and there's the day after the thing when normal starts to set in. And I think that's where we're discovering the disciples today. 
They go fishing, and if you know anything about the story of these disciples, they're morons who can't catch a thing until Jesus shows up, because Jesus always shows up in these stories, and all of a sudden there's all more fish than they know what to do with. And that's exactly what happens in the story here. So they have this miraculous catch of fish, and then I want to pick up specifically with the story, and it goes from here. It says, when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it, bread. What a great scene, isn't it? Fire is sitting there on the beach, Some food is cooking. The morning sun is just beginning to peak above the horizon. That lake is kind of a smoky, glassy kind of a thing. You can smell the fire as they're just kind of coming over the water as they come into shore. It's a great scene, and the story continues. It says, Jesus said to them, Bring some fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them, it says which is an oddly specific number. I don't know what to make of that, but we'll, again, set that one aside as well. 153 of them, and though there were so many, the net was not torn, and Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Don't you love that invitation? Come. It's just the most normal thing in the world. Let's go have some, let's go have some breakfast. And so they shared a meal with Jesus on the beach. And when the dust, the dust had just begun to settle, Normal had just begun to set in. None of this, now, none of the disciples, it says, dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And so Jesus came, and he took the bread, and he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. It says, this is now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he had been raised from the dead. I love that sentence. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. They they didn't want to ask. They knew it was Christ. And it was this unspoken, this knowing moment among everybody who was there. Almost to say it out loud would have wrecked it. It would have like ruined the moment. Christ was made known in the breaking of the bread. And maybe they needed a food pick. Maybe they did the best they could and they, they wrote it down. But Christ joined them at this very, very normal moment in a meal around a small makeshift table sitting on the beach. And Christ still does. Christ still does. Christ joins us around any meal that we share. Christ is present. Christ is present at every one of those memorable meals that you share. Christ is present at every one of these food pictures that that Annika talked about. Christ is present at every table in this room as we've shared breakfast together. Christ is present through our little pantry. Look at all of this food. This food will bless people, and when they receive that, Christ, I mean, on on a hot day to have some soup, or there's some ramen noodles in here, some mac and cheese, to have a, a hot meal on a cold day, Christ will be present through that. Christ is present through our sustenance fund, which you may or may not be aware of. The sustenance fund that we have out of our, uh, the, the money that we, we take in around here, we've given away over a million dollars to support housing and hunger initiatives over the last 10 years. And with every one of those dollars that has gone to, to feed somebody, Christ has been present there. Christ is present in the whole meal of Holy Communion that we share here. Think about it. Kitchen tables, dining room tables, coffee tables, TV trays, 
For Christ, every table is an altar. I'll say that again, and I want you to hear it, and just let it sink in. For Christ, every table is an altar. When we share food, when we share a meal, in the ordinary moments and extraordinary moments alike, the beauty, the grace, peace, joy, love, Christ is present there. So make sure that you, you write about it in your journal. Make sure that you take a picture of it. Make sure that you post it online. Do whatever you got to do. But by all means, be open to it. Be present to it. Be aware of it. Christ meets us in every meal. Christ meets us at every table. So as you go home and, and later on, you're going to get hungry again. So you're going to have to have some food. Be open to this idea that Christ is present there. And just maybe an ordinary meal that you're, that you're having. Be aware of that as we go into this season of Lent, as we go through the days and weeks that are, are to come. Maybe even take a picture, post it online. We'd love to see it. But it's even better when we share. So what I'd like to do is every week we close uh, our sermons in, in prayer, but I'd like to pray specifically the way that we're sharing Christ with, with our neighbors through this food. So we'll start with a prayer over this food and then we'll expand it to the prayers of the people and then, uh, then we'll go from there. 